Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. We've got another week of daily fantasy golf here for you. Uh, a little bit of a unique, <clears throat> excuse me, event this week with uh, with a team based kind of partner uh, event at the Zurich Classic. So uh, it, it's a little bit different from a DFS perspective. So we'll get you all set for that here. Uh, over the next, say, 40 minutes or so. I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. I will be hosting the show, as usual, alongside my partner, Notorious, Derek Farnsworth. Noto, what's going on tonight? Uh, not much. I uh, didn't have pretty much uh, anything in terms of a sweat last week. Um, shout out to Russell Henley and Chris Kirk for missing uh, some five-footers on Friday to, to miss the cut. Um other than that, I mean, uh, pretty fun tournament. It was kind of interesting that nobody wanted to win it there on Sunday. You know, Spieth got in at 1,300 par, and he kind of felt like he was one or even two shots, um, you know, too low uh, in order to, to win. You know, Shane Lowry was at 14 at the time. He had Patrick Cantlay, a lot of easy holes coming up to par five, which nobody could birdie there uh, at the end. It was kind of crazy. So, um, and then all of a sudden it looked like Speed was the only one that was going to finish at 13 under par. Uh, can't let hit that, you know, dart on 17. And then uh, I still can't believe in the playoff. You know, he just, Speed was in the bunker. All he had to do, get out on the green, put some pressure on him. And uh, he hits it short. So interesting tournament. I think it's good for the tour when Speed wins. 
Um, he is certainly a character out there and uh, kind of got a bad break on number nine. So um, I'm happy he won, but obviously had zero exposure to him uh, in betting and DFS. As did I after playing him the week before at the Masters. So uh, Spieth continues to be a, a frustrating golfer uh, from my perspective. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. I don't have much words for it at this point, but uh, the tee to green game, you know, was uh, was actually not really the the short game that uh, uh, that got him through last week. The tee to green game was pretty solid. So uh, more so than we can say for some of his other wins, uh, I think it was certainly deserved. Uh, it was very weird to see basically nobody making any birdies down the stretch there to, uh, you know, tie or, or push in, you know, additional guys into the playoff or even. Uh, top that uh, that 13 under number you know I, I think probably when Spieth finished he probably figured like he was a little short but uh, ended up uh, getting the job done there in the playoff and uh, Patrick Cantlay continues to be in the mix and and come up just short this year but uh, he's continually giving himself chances so uh, we'll see uh, how things go going forward outside of that last week it was a little bit wonky obviously Spieth and Cantlay at the top but the the rest of the leaderboard was um, the top 10 ish was, you know, littered with uh, a lot of guys who, who didn't carry a ton of ownership. Lowry got up there on, uh, on Sunday with a chance. So he would have been another name that was pretty highly owned, but she had guys like, uh, EVR and, you know, some lower owned names in, in the mix too. So, uh, lots of golfers that, uh, like you, you kind of touched on there, uh, lots of fairly chalky golfers that, uh, had five, six foot putts to make the cut. Uh, that really swayed a lot of lineups last week. So other takeaways uh, for, for you from the RBC Heritage. Uh, only other takeaway, it's only a matter of time before Lowry gets it done. Um, kind of thought that he was going to run away with it there and uh, ended up behind the tree on that part three, chipped it in the water, and then all of a sudden he was out of it. So um, I think he topped the ball too on Sunday, which is kind of crazy for the PGA Tour. I haven't seen that since Harold Varner at the uh, – Genesis a few years back but um yeah I mean it's a fun tournament I think uh you know it's one of my favorites because of course you know it allows for a lot of birdies but it could be tough at times too and pretty much anybody can win you don't have to have a specific skill set and uh, I always kind of like those weeks where we get that mid-teens uh type of winner so I like the tournament um yeah at least I like it more than this week's event <laughs> and Noto doesn't like the pro-ams and uh you know I'm not sure where the the team event compares to that whether it's above or below or maybe we'll see how this week goes but uh this is a tournament that uh, once it switched to a team format maybe five years ago uh didn't have DFS for for those years um and, and so you know last year we were kind of surprised when both DraftKings and FanDuel started offering contests uh, for the Zurich Classic, and then we have them again this year. So a little more prepared for it this year because we had them a year ago. Uh, but uh, basically, it's uh, you know, sort of Ryder Cup style. You'll have two teams playing together, paired together, and they'll play four ball in two of the rounds, which is where everybody plays their own ball, and you just take the best score for each team. Uh, and then they'll have two alternate shot uh, rounds uh, where the, the teammates obviously will alternate shots. The scoring won't be quite as high. Uh, quite as good in, in those rounds as it is when you're just taking the best score from both golfers. So um, a little bit of a unique format and we've got 80 teams and I believe it's what top 30 in ties or 35 in ties, either 30 or 35 in ties make the cut. Uh, so it's a, you know, a pretty limited number of, of teams making the cut too. So uh, your thoughts just on the overall format and uh, just the way this week goes in general. 
Yeah, I believe it's the top 33 in ties. Not sure why they settled on that number, but um, I knew it was 30, it was 30 something yeah. split the difference. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, rounds one and three are going to be best ball. Rounds two and four are going to be alternate shots. So you're going to see a lot of low scores um, on Thursday and Saturday. And then alternate shot, I mean, you can, you know, play under par, but at the same time, you know, um, you're relying on your teammate a lot more than you are the, for the other two days. So you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, high rounds on in rounds two and four. Um, and then as far as, you know, the event goes, it's just hard because we don't know, you know, who really plays better in a team format. We don't know. Uh, are you going to target golfers with similar skill sets or, you know, complementary skill sets? Are you looking for team chemistry? I'm kind of off of that train after playing uh, Brown and Kisner last year in every single lineup. And I think they finished dead last. So um, yeah, I'm kind of struggling with the strategy. I think I'm just going to rely on, you know, the course fit and then the usual numbers and, you know, kind of ignore the narratives, but do you have a different take? No, I, I think that's fair. Um, I'll, I'll target them in a few spots, but it, it does worry me if you've got say, because you need to make so many birdies in the best ball rounds, and the scoring is so low, it worries me if you got teams with like two bad putters paired together. Um, just because if you got to get to, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 under par in those rounds, um, you know, it, it just worries me a little bit that maybe there won't be enough birdies with those groups um, if they're not making those five and six foot putts. So other than that, though, I mean, this is kind of an event where a lot of guys just treat it as kind of a glorified exhibition. Uh, you've got some guys that, you know, take it a little more seriously. Ryan Palmer's got blackmail apparently on every member of the PGA tour. So he always gets to play with the number one ranked guy. Uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but uh, you know, uh, it's just a little bit unpredictable. So I think it is a week where particularly in, in multi-entry tournament builds uh, you can maybe look to embrace that variance a little bit with, with some lower owned teams because uh, really, this is an event that uh, is a little harder to peg than than most. Yeah, I wish we had a list of teams that were you know actively scouting the course and uh, planning each each hole and how they're going to attack it, and then the teams that are just out there to have some fun because they're going to be uh, a lot of those that are just like, yeah, we'll play. Um, might as well give it a shot, and if we find ourselves in contention, you know, then we'll get serious about it. But it's going to be tough. Uh, like you mentioned, I do think it's a good week to fade the chalk if you can. Um, and it's going to be hard to spot the chalk too, because, you know, it's trying to target teams instead of individual players. Um, yeah. Trey's got a tough job on his hands this week. <laughs> it just gave everybody 15% ownership, give or take, <laughs> it'll be about right. So, uh, well, TPC Louisiana is the course. This was a normal stroke play event for like a decade, starting in around 2005, 2006, before they converted it to the teams format. Uh, and then, you know, this course has been used for the, for the four years that it's been held as a team's competition. Uh, the winning score generally between like 20 and, and 26, 27 under par with, again, most of that scoring done uh, in the, uh, the best ball round. So uh, what have you discovered as far as the course itself? And uh, I guess just how relevant the course setup is for an event like this. Yeah, so um, everything is pretty easy on average. Uh, the fairway is easy to hit. The green's easy to hit. Scrambling success percentage here is pretty high. Three-putt percentage here is very low. So I do think uh, it's a fairly easy course, but it is a P-Die design. Typically, um, you can't overpower his courses off the tee. And uh, even though driving distance is a little bit more important here than at his other courses, uh, you see a lot of golfers club down uh, off the tee, which is kind of why you see that driving accuracy percentage so high. 
other than that, I mean, there's going to be a lot of wedges, uh, a lot of approach shots from 75 to 125, and then a lot from 200 plus. So the mid irons that we saw a lot last week, um, probably going to be kept in the bag for most of the week. And then that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't mind playing the P-Dye narrative. It does seem like you know a lot of those specialists tend to play well at this event. As for the DFS setup, um, it's a little bit different uh, because obviously coding in the, the software uh, is a little bit unique for a team event. So DraftKings has kept the individual players separate, uh, but you can only roster one player per team and the scoring for those players will be the same. So for example, with Morikawa and Hovland, it doesn't matter who makes the birdie. If the team gets a birdie, they both get birdie points and you can only roster one of them on any given team. So how we do our projections in lineup HQ on Roto Grinders, if you're using it, um, is we simply just project one of the two golfers and then that is the golfer you will get. No rhyme or reason for which one of the two we have in there, but we only have one of the two in there. If you're building lineups on your own, it frankly doesn't matter who you pick. You just can't pick both of them within the same lineup. FanDuel has combined the rosters into pairs uh, as one golfer. So you can see that that shows up a little bit different in our lineup HQ. Uh, but again, it's just a one week thing here um, because of, of the different format. So uh, hopefully we've got all the bugs worked out on that. But uh, if not, feel free to send us uh, a message or if anything is confusing, let us know. If you want to chat with us during the show, uh, you can hop on over to the free Roto Grinders Discord channel, uh, rotogrinders.com backslash Discord. Anybody with a Roto Grinders account can get in there, and we are in the live stream chat uh, channel. So find us there if you have any questions as we go through. Probably won't take us quite as long as normal to, uh, to get through it uh, this week, simply because there's a lot of kind of bad teams at the bottom, and we've only got 80 um, with the, the, the format where two guys are together. There's actually 160 golfers in the field, uh, but only 80 teams to discuss. So uh, let's start. As usual, we've got a few above 10K on DraftKings. That would be four teams. The Morikawa-Hoblin team, uh, Cantley Shoffley, Leishman and Cam Smith, and Sam Burns and Billy Horschel are your top four priced teams. Are you prioritizing any of uh, that group? I mean, I think you can make a strong case for pretty much any of them. Um, I do think many will be off of Cam Smith and Leishman for two reasons. They're the defending champs, and people hate def uh, playing the defending champs. And then you have, you know, uh, Cam Smith, who kind of fell apart of the Masters a little bit and then uh, missed the cut last week. He did battle back. So if you are looking for lower ownership, I do think that's kind of the team you want to uh, take a stance on. I don't have a strong take on them. Um, I like Cantlay and Xander. You know, they're two guys that have complete all-around games. So um, if one of them puts them in a bad spot, the other one you can feel pretty confident in, you know, kind of helping out there. Uh, you know, Morikow and Hovland, obviously the two most talented golfers in the field, I would say. Um, but they have similar weaknesses. So if they are going to miss the greens, you know, uh, it's going to put extra pressure on that short game because you don't want to let your teammate down. So um, I, I'm going to have exposure to both those teams at the very top. I think they're clearly the best two teams. But if I'm deciding between them, I will go with Xander and Cantlay. Uh, and then Horschel and Burns, I just have a – it's kind of a sticker shock when it comes to Horschel's price tag. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to do there, but they are a good team. I think they played together last year um, and finished fourth. So uh, if you want to play the chemistry angle, you certainly can. Uh, who are your favorites up there? Yeah, it's uh, Cantlay and, and Xander for me. I, I worry about the short game with Morikawa and Hovland. 
Uh, if there's, you know, a big number there in, in the alternate shot rounds or just, you know, not enough birdies in the best ball rounds uh, with them both kind of struggling occasionally on and around the green. So um, I, I think it's it's easily Cantley Shoffley number one for me and Smith Leishman number two. Um, and I'll probably be underweight on the other two of the 10K plus uh, group, I think, this week. So, uh, again, they're all fine, but. Uh, definitely Cantley Shoffley first for me. I think, you know, Cantley just continues to be in the mix each and every week. Um, outside of a blip there at the players, he, he's had, you know, fourth at the tournament of champions, ninth at the Amex, second at the waste management, fourth at Pebble Beach, second last week. Um, you know, and just uh, the fact that both he and Shoffley are, are, are steady. Uh, they're, they're all around stats just to me are, are the best you'll find. So Cantlay and, uh, and Shoffley for me, definitely. And uh, Leishman Smith second. Yep, I like it. All right. So uh, let's move into the nine K range. I kind of joked earlier, Ryan Palmer. Uh, it, Palmer has played with Spieth here a couple times when Spieth was at the top of his game. He's played with John Rahm here. Uh, when Rom was at the top of his game, and now he gets Scheffler when Scheffler's winning every tournament on the planet. So I'm not sure what kind of dirt Ryan Palmer has on everybody else on the PGA Tour. Now, to his credit, Palmer has a strong history here, uh, and he definitely takes this tournament seriously. And he's playing with Scheffler, who just, you know, suits up and, and wins these days. So uh, we'll dig into the other 9K guys, but uh, what do we make of, of Palmer and, uh, and Scheffler here? Yeah, Palmer needs to take this seriously because he's getting half his FedEx Cup points each year um, mm -hmm. from this event, uh, just having his teammates carrying him. So uh, I don't know what to do with those two. I mean, Scheffler, if he wins five of seven, um, I'll just eat another loss and uh, move along my way. I just can't. I don't know. I can't get him right. Um, but he is cheaper than he has been the last couple of weeks. So if you want to play that angle, you certainly can. Um, I, I don't think. Poulter and Lowry are interesting. As I mentioned uh, earlier, I think it's only a matter of time before Lowry gets that win. Um, he's been in awesome form. And Poulter, very good short game, typically plays well in these team events. Um, so he's one of the narratives that I don't mind playing this week. Um, same with Sergio and Tommy. I mean, they've played together a lot on the, on the Ryder Cup. They played together here in 2019, finished second. Tommy's been playing a lot better recently. I think he gained a ton of strokes on and around the greens. He wasn't hitting any greens last week and still finished, uh, you know, T10. So they're interesting. My favorite's going to be uh, Pereira and Neiman, two guys that we think of as elite ball strikers. But Neiman's been very good around the green this year. Mito's better than you might think around the green. And both are average putters. So I think that's a team to watch out for. It doesn't look like the ownership's going to be too outrageous. We have them in about 21% right now. So I like them the most. What about you? Yeah, I think this group is is really interesting because you start to get, you know, you mentioned the sticker shock earlier on Horschel. You're going to start to see that with a, a few of these guys. Um, I've kind of been with you on being underweight on Scheffler. I just don't know here. Um, I, I just, I think I got to be in a little bit with, uh, with the way, how seriously Palmer takes this and just how well Scheffler has been playing when they're only like the fifth, I think fifth most expensive team. So I will have uh, some Palmer Scheffler. And uh, I think your call on, on Lowry is, is pretty good as well. Um, fine with him and, and Poulter, even though again, Poulter, you're just not used to him being 9,500 these days. So uh, all these teams are really interesting. Like if you want to compare form 
for the year as a whole, like you're probably not going to find a lot of pairings with better 2022 numbers in the nine Ks than Gooch and Homa. So I think they're in play as well. And I think you're going to see basically all these teams kind of come out to ownership spreading out into that 10, 12, 14% range, which is what we, we see in our uh, lineup HQ numbers right now with a lot of these eight and nine K pairings, we kind of see the ownership dispersing out into the kind of mid teens, which I kind of agree with. Uh, I think it's, it is kind of going to be all over the place, but um, other thoughts uh, for you on, on these guys. Yeah. Don't mind the max and uh, Gooch call. They do seem to set up well here. And uh, they did play together here last year, T17. Um, I know you're more of an MME, you know, type of DFS guy, but, if you were doing one lineup, do you like starting the tens? Are you prioritizing that range, or uh, can you start with two of the nine Ks? I I think that's a really tough question. But I, I if I was just doing one lineup, I'd probably I'd have a tough time not starting it with Cantley and, and Shoffley. I think. <laughs> yeah, same. You know, and, and then maybe you can still get one of these nine K groups, um, depending on on how you feel about the value. Like if you if you play. Can't lay Shawfully and then say Fleetwood and Garcia. Uh 7550 for your last four is doable. Um, maybe you, you end up in the 8Ks a little bit more. But uh it, it is a little bit of a of a tough build here, uh, just because there's not a lot of obvious value. And uh some of the teams like in the six Ks are pretty weak. So uh, let's go ahead and move down into the 8Ks. You've got teams like Riley and Zalatoris, Hallett. Hallett. I re- literally combined Hatton and Willett. Hallett. Um, Benny On looking to get his tour card back with Sung J.M. Uh, Benny On's been grinding on the Corn Ferry Tour. I think he's like top three in points on the Corn Ferry Tour. So uh, you know he's motivated to, to try to get that tour card back. So uh, the short game, as always, is the is the issue with Benny On. But uh, I think playing with Sung Jay, having motivation to get his tour card back, playing really well on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, I think Benny on and Sung JM are pretty solid value at uh, 8,700 this week. So your thoughts on some of the eight higher eight Ks. Yeah. I said at the top of the show, I wanted to rely more on the, the ratings and projections and uh, going through it. Now I want to chase all these. Numbers. <laughs> I, mean, I would, I would love to see Benny on back on the PGA tour has a recent win on the corn Ferry tour. Um, second last week, I believe. So yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for that team for sure. Um, it's hard not to, so yeah, I'll probably have some exposure to them. Will and Hatton's interesting. Um, both have been playing pretty well. Hatton um, is kind of the all-around guy, and then Willett's that short game specialist, so they kind of have complementary skill sets. Another uh, you know duo that you know probably knows each other well from the Corn Ferry Tour, Riley and Zalatoris. I think that makes a lot of sense as well at 8,900. Doesn't look like they're going to be too popular. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting range for sure because you have Still and Keegan, who I do think will be popular. Um, they're going to pop in all the models um, because they're ball striking, and then they also finished fourth here last year. Uh, so I, I think they make sense, but if they're going to be chalky, I don't mind just you know looking elsewhere. Um, but uh, lower on guys, 8,200. I like Kirk and Todd. Um, Kirk, again, missed the cut on the number last week, missed a five-footer. Not going to hold that against him. Todd. What he does the best, he hits fairways and he makes putts. And I think for a team event, that is a, a really good qualities to have. And Kirk's very good iron player. So I think they're interesting. Um, they finished T27 here last year. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a group that could, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they missed the cut. It wouldn't surprise me if they finished top five. So uh, I think it's a, a definitely a strong upside group there that 
fairly easy to overlook, uh, to be honest, just because you don't, you know, Todd always almost never carries a ton of ownership. I know Kirk's been popular lately, but with that miscut last week, like you mentioned on the number, might have people kind of uh, looking the other way a little bit. So like that group, um, I'm on Bradley and Steele, uh, like you said, ownership pending, but uh, they're good friends fourth here last year. Um, Keegan's been playing pretty well of late and uh, Steele, I believe has made three cuts, uh, three or four cuts in a row after kind of struggling to start the year. So uh, I like that group. Those two pairings are my favorite in the lower 8k range. And then Benny on and Sung JM, as I mentioned, uh, in the upper part, anything else in the eight K's for you? Um, I don't know. I mean, McIntyre and Laird, that's kind of a fun team. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Hadwin and Spenson, two guys that uh, I've been playing a lot this year, you know, Hadwin's been on fire, Spenson very hit or miss, but he does, uh, pop a lot. Um, what about the veterans and Rose and Stenson? Yeah, I think I'm out on that. <laughs> As Stenson Sam. made the cut last week, but I think he finished basically dead last. Um, they've played together. He finished 54th. I, he was he made a little bit of a run on Sunday, but only made 11 birdies. Uh, you know, there was a, those guys have played together a lot in this tournament. There was a time where they were basically the, the two of the higher salary guys uh, in this tournament. So uh, I think I'd take a shot on on Bobby Mack and, and Laird, uh, or even Hadwin and, and Svensson. Um, above frozen Stenson at this point. And I think they're interesting for, for tournaments. Um, speaking of which we get into the seven K's Mitchell and Snedeker, which was one of the weirdest pairings. <laughs> they played together last year. Didn't they, didn't they do well? Yeah. We were very confused at how they, how, how they, yeah. How they <laughs> partnered with each other. What'd they do here last year? I don't have that. They, uh, they were in contention and finished T4. Yeah, so they're getting the band back together for this week, but uh, uh, the group kind of thins out once you get into the 7Ks. You're undoubtedly probably going to have maybe at least one golfer uh, that's struggling, so it, uh, you know, it's just difficult to, to make it seem like it's a no-brainer at those salaries. Is there a group that you think is a, you know, an obvious play in the 7Ks? Uh, well, Gregorius the wise in chat. Obviously, he's thinking uh, <laughs> Doug Gibbs in the field. Kim and Schwab are going to win. Um, I mean, I think they're a fine team. They rate out pretty well for me. Um, at that same price, Bramlett and McNeely. Uh, McNeely just continues to you know grind out top thirty finishes. Bramlett's a good ball striker, um, so I think that's interesting. They've played and made the cut here last year. I don't feel great about any of them. My favorites are going to be Norlander and Norin. A um, couple of Swedish guys. Uh, you know, Norin's got that really good short game. Um, Norlander can be very, you know, hit or miss with the short game, but he's a good ball striker. So I kind of like that complimentary skill set. And they played together here last year at T21. And that's pretty much it for me. I don't feel great about anybody. Yeah, it's just tough to, to find the obvious values. Um, you just got question marks with anybody like if you wanted to go with the old, uh, the narrative we all used last year, then then Brown and Kisner are a steal, but neither one in great form right now. Um, you know, Knox and Stewart, if you want two guys that are going to hit a bunch of fairways, but uh, maybe a safer bet to, to make the cut. But I like Bramlett and McNeely for the upside. You mentioned them in passing. Um, McNeely, rock solid season. Bramlett's been a little more hit or miss, but uh, Bramlett did close last week on Sunday. 
uh, with one of the best rounds of the day, shot a 64 to, to pop up about 20 spots on the leaderboard. So uh, I like the Bramlett McNeely team. Uh, of course, I'll have a little bit of Gim and, and Schwab uh, as always. And then probably not a ton till we get down to the, uh, the lower end of the range. Um, I do think that Buckley and Smalley are an interesting kind of risk reward pairing. Uh, and they are full on min salary on FanDuel. So if you're playing over there, they are 7K uh, with a 7K floor. On DraftKings, they're 7K with a 6K floor. So not quite as appealing as a punt, but I do think that they've got an interesting ceiling. Surely they know each other from playing on the Corn Ferry Tour. Surely they're both motivated in their full, first full season with a you know a tour card. So um, I think that if you want, want to play that motivation angle, um, Buckley and, and Smalley are interesting. Anything else in the seven Ks for you? Yeah, we always gravitate towards Smalley, so I'll have some uh, exposure there. The only other team that could make some noise, uh, Tigala and Hostler. So, I mean, they're the most hit or miss, you know, individuals out there. Uh, they'll either finish dead last or top 10. So, um, you know, if they can combine their rounds, you know, on the right days, uh, their shots on the right at the right times, you know, maybe they have some upside. But that's about it for the seven Ks. And I mean, the six Ks, I, I have no idea. <laughs> uh yeah yeah there's not much here folks uh it's uh i mentioned it'd probably be a, a little bit of a shorter show here this week but uh i played some Morinsky as a punt last week did not go well uh <laughs> horrible form there like patrick rogers hasn't done much uh bo hogue was a thing once upon a time leviota was a thing once upon a time but none of those guys none of these guys are playing well right now uh and if you're playing any of the 6k groups it's basically just a shot in the dark i mean there's nothing in terms of current numbers uh that are going to make you super interested in in any of these guys um i mean is there anybody that even looks remotely decent in the model in terms of teams that uh project better than their salary ranks you have uh leviot and seifert lee hodges and whaley uh bram and hubbard and then uh, the old man group in Taylor and Jim Herman. That's pretty much it. It's it's ugly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, there's just not much. Scotty G's playing with DA points this week at six K bare minimum. So if you want to, <laughs> Bill Haas is playing with Jay. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's ugly. Robert Garrigus is getting ready to my boy Garrigus is going to go to the Saudi tour like one of the first guys to to ask for permission that the Saudi tour is totally going to take off with Robert Garrigus uh, on it. So <laughs> the sky is the limit now. Invest while you can. Um, I, other than that, I, I don't have anything else. I think in like a single entry build or a cash game, uh, you're probably not going below. 7k you know low to mid 7ks there's just nobody yep. in the 6ks here um anything else that's uh, noteworthy for you uh nice week to just kind of you know lay back play a little bit less than you usually do you know maybe you get a sweat on sunday but this isn't an event that you want to be you know over invested in for sure yeah and uh you know if you're building multiple gpp lineups don't be afraid to take some shots even on some lower owned groups because this is an event that you know, some will take it more seriously than others and often tends to be a little bit unpredictable with the, you know, the, the best ball format for a couple of rounds. It's just simply going to come down to, uh, to which teams make the most putts and uh, just 
is a little unpredictable. So have some fun with it. Don't go crazy. And uh, we'll get back to the uh, regular normal stroke play events uh, starting next week. So uh, a little bit shorter show for you tonight, but uh, that's okay. We'll give you a little time back and uh, get ready to, uh, to start building our lineups as well. So uh, Noto, anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, I'll be around for questions if you ever have any, but uh, yeah, have fun this week. It should be uh, at least interesting. It's a nice break from the stroke play, but I'm glad it's once a year. <laughs> yeah, we don't want this every week. It's uh, just a little different and uh, hard to, to code the numbers and, uh, and get the, the tools all working and stuff too. So uh, from a content perspective, uh, we're, we're definitely glad this isn't an every week occurrence. So, all right, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, and get out of here and uh, call it a show for you here tonight. Uh, for Noto and our producer, Steve, thanks for joining us. I am Justin. Have a great week, everybody, and we will catch you later. Thank <laughs> you.